Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. The American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations present Mr. President. Mr. President of home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Now, Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It's evening. The old mansion is resting quietly after a busy day. Only one window on the ground floor shows a light. We enter and find ourselves in the president's study. Good evening. Sit down, won't you? You know the problem of being peacemaker in an argument is not an easy one, particularly when you have two brilliant individuals involved, each firmly believing that he is right. You have to see both sides, but you can't take either side. And still you have to keep them together, as I tried to do in tonight's story. Later on, of course, I'll tell you which president these incidents really happened to. But meanwhile, you may be able to guess. The personal controversy between Ed Taylor and Tom Faraday had been going on for some time. But one morning, it came right out in the open at a meeting of my cabinet. All right, gentlemen, gentlemen. Uh, we're ready for the report of the Secretary of State. Mr. Faraday, please. Mr. President. The newly appointed minister, Charles Montreux, will soon be arriving in this country. I don't know him personally, but I've heard something of his reputation. He'll be very much in sympathy with the ideals of your administration, Mr. President, and with the ideals of our country. A question, Mr. Faraday. Yes, Mr. Taylor? It's not important whether Montreux is sympathetic with us or not. I'd like to know if we're apt to be sympathetic with him. I see a difference. What do you mean, Ed? France has just been through a revolution in civil war. And her new government is at war with England. The majority of Americans hope to see England win that I war. I beg your pardon, Mr. Taylor. The overwhelming majority of Americans are pro-French in sympathy, and they should be. The new French government is founded on the same liberal ideas as ours. Besides, France is an ally of ours by treaty. Mr. President. Yes, sir. I wish to make a motion for the cabinet's consideration. I move that this government suspend the treaty with France. Mr. President, Mr. President we can't please, do that. Please, gentlemen, please, please. Go on, Ed. I move that this government suspend the treaty with France. We signed it with the previous government of France. That government no longer exists. We can no longer be bound by the treaty. Good heavens, Mr. Taylor. The treaty is not between our government and their government. It's between our people and the French people. Your motion is dishonest and cowardly. Calling me names won't change the facts, Faraday. Any mark of favor from us to France will only put us in danger of war with England. I say we should not even receive this new French minister. Impossible. Faraday, you're not even listening to my arguments. You're opposing me purely for the sake of opposing Gentlemen, gentlemen. But, Mr. President, I... Ed, please. I beg your pardon, sir. Gentlemen, we face one big question. Is our treaty with France still binding? Whatever we desire, decide there's the plain risk of war, and that's the last thing we want. Meanwhile, 
I want all of you to forget your personal feelings and ask yourselves only what's best for our country. Tom, when is Montreux due to arrive? In about two weeks, sir. But I want to warn this meeting. We'll solve nothing by following advice such as Taylor's been urging. I am Secretary of State. And if I'm to be hampered and obstructed by the Secretary of Treasury, my advice ignored, I can no longer remain in this cabinet. Oh, Tom, please now. Mr. President, I don't know why you let those two men cause you so much trouble. Oh, I don't suppose they realize it. You're more important than Mr. Taylor and Mr. Faraday and the whole cabinet and Congress Now, and... just a minute, Miss Zara. I'm not more important. My job is. All right, your job then. But if they can't get together, you'll have to choose between them. I need them both, Miss Sarah. I know their points of view clash. Taylor favors the notion of an aristocratic monarchy. Faraday is a democratic republican. One believes in authority, and the other has faith in the people. And neither is willing to give up his ideas in favor of the other. Miss Sarah, in times like these, they will have to. England and France are at war. Other nations may join, and at any moment we may be involved. We've got to have national unity. It can't depend on only two men. It does. I've got to bring them together, Miss Sarah. I've got to talk to them separately. First send me, oh, uh, Central Tom Faraday, then get me Ed Taylor. I've asked you to come here because of what happened at the cabinet meeting this morning. I would have said more, Mr. President, but I was afraid of losing my temper entirely. You heard Taylor in the meeting. Of all the short-sighted, dangerous, cold-blooded suggestions now, I have Tom, ever... listen, just I a... have listened to him, sir, for over three years. I have seen him twist you around his little finger. Anything to block me. Well, I have something to say about that, Tom. Then I've got to ask you, sir. Either demand his resignation from the cabinet or let me resign. Sour grapes, Tom? Frankly, it isn't all on account of Ed Taylor. I want to go home, have some time with my family. I'm 50 years old, Mr. President. I've been in government service for most of the last 20. I've got grown daughters. I want to know them better before it's too late. I'd like to go home too, Tom. But I can't. Of course, but if I'm no longer in the cabinet, sir, things will go much more smoothly. Let Taylor have his way. I will not. And I won't let you have your way either. I want you to promise to cooperate with Ed Taylor. I don't see what good can come of it. Tom, both you and Ed have a great deal to give your country. You've proven it already. You'll go on proving it in the years ahead. I'm not going to let either of you fail in your duty. You belong in the cabinet, and I'm going to do everything I can to keep you both in it. Mr. President, I don't like Taylor. I don't agree with anything he says or does. But you can compromise. You've got to. Oh, yes, we can compromise on small points. But when it comes to matters of principle, I'm sorry. I can't compromise. And let me say this about Taylor. I don't think he can either. Well, what about my principles? What? Well, never mind. Do I have your promise? I want you both in the cabinet, almost at any cost, at least until we solve the French question. Yes, Mr. President. I'll do my best. Good. Now about the French treaty and Montreux. Uh, Mr. President, you can see how impossible it is to suspend the treaty. So far, I agree with you. But suppose Montreux insists we join France in her war against England. I don't know, sir. It seems to me it depends largely on what orders Montreux got from his government in Paris. And it depends on public opinion here, doesn't it? That means it depends on Montreux. Exactly. So let's not try to decide everything now. Let's wait for Montreux to arrive in this country. Meanwhile, Tom, 
you won't forget your promise. I'll try not to, sir. I'm grateful to you. Thank you. Very grateful. I'm glad to see you, Ed. Sit down, won't you? I want to talk to you about what happened at the cabinet meeting. If it's about Tom Faraday, that was disgraceful, sir. I'm sorry that your feelings had to come to a head on such an important question. Ed, England and France are at war. If we are not careful, we can easily find ourselves in the middle. We cannot allow personal antagonism to threaten our nation's unity. I agree entirely, Mr. President. But the situation's impossible, and you've got to do something about it. Got to? Faraday is a schemer. The ideas he gives you are false, dangerous, tricky. Ed, I frequently get ideas of my own, you know. Faraday knows how to make you think they're yours. He knows how to fight me through you. I can fight him alone and beat him. I can't fight him and you. I've reformed the finances of the country, but still he resists. And he won't be satisfied till he's spoiled everything I've done. Will you ask him for his resignation? No, I won't. Then I want you to accept my resignation. Aren't you forgetting something? Aren't you forgetting that your work isn't the whole thing? It's only part of the whole. Spoil a part and you spoil the whole. I don't want to take any credit from you that's rightfully yours. But I'm the only one who can judge what each of you exactly, is. Exactly, sir. I want you to judge between me and Faraday. And choose between us. I refuse to do that, Fred. And flatly. Then I'll do it for you. Ed, will you... And I'm sorry. I don't mean to get angry, but I've got to tell you a simple truth you're losing sight of. You're responsible to me. But I'm responsible to the whole country. Of course, but... Just a moment. You're an honest, conscientious public servant. And you naturally think only your ideas are best for the country. But maybe not all of them are. You have your opinion about the French situation. Tom Faraday has his. But we can only find out which is right by a little less fighting and a little more cooperation between you. You've got to learn to cooperate with Tom Faraday. Me? Let him learn to cooperate. Oh, cooperate doesn't mean give in, Ed. It means cooperate. If Faraday cooperates with you, give and take reasonable compromise. Will you cooperate with him? Will he cooperate with me? I've talked to him. I think he will. I'm asking you to do the same. Will you, Ed? I'll do everything I can, which is in the best interest of my country. Thank you very much, and I'm very grateful to you. Good day, Mr. President. Good day, Ed. Good day, Miss Sarah. Goodbye, Mr. Taylor. Well, Mr. President, have you soothed their ruffled feelings? Well, frankly, Miss Sarah, I don't think I can change their feelings, but I have appealed to their intelligence. I hope it works. But, Mr. President, if you can't change their feelings, is it really worth it? As long as it keeps the country in one piece, it is, Miss Sarah. But you're the one doing that. You as the president, not Miss Sarah, with Taylor's financial reform, we're keeping the nation's economy in good shape. That's important to business people in the East. And with Faraday and the cabinet, farmers, small merchants, working men know that we are working for them. Unity in America, Miss Sarah. Unity in America. Yes, I see. Unity at your expense. Well, as to the rest of the world, Miss Sarah, I'd admire any country that could have in its government at the same time two such men as Taylor and Faraday. Yes, Miss Sarah. Mr. Taylor is here to see you. Oh, good. Come in, Taylor. Come in. Mr. President. How are you? Montreux has arrived in this country, sir. Well, didn't we expect him to? Yes, Mr. President. 
But where would you expect him to come on his arrival in this country? Oh, to the capital, of course. It might interest you to know, sir, that he disembarked at Charleston, South Carolina. Well, he must have had a good reason. I see nothing to be alarmed about. I tell you, Montreux is up to something. I wouldn't be surprised if Faraday hadn't arranged it. just a moment, just a moment. Let's not start this all over again. If Montreux is up to something, then it's more than ever necessary that we stop fighting among ourselves. I only wanted to forewarn you, sir. Thank you, Ed. But let's not anticipate trouble. anticipating your arrival, Mr. Montreux. I assure you, you have many supporters here, sir. Thank you, Monsieur Bellows. Yeah, we've made all the preliminary arrangements, but uh, these are the best accommodations we could get for you here in Charleston. Oh, but they are charming, Monsieur Bellows. Charming. <laughs> mm. Listen to the people outside. Yes, uh, uh, maybe you ought to say a few words to them, huh? Speak to them? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, a good idea. <laughs> from France, from the people of France, from your fellow fighters for liberty. I know, I know you feel as I do, that France is the champion of freedom in all the world, and that England is the enemy of freedom. Thank you, thank you, my friend, thank you. Close the window, Monsieur Burroughs. Yes, yes, sir. Ah, I am pleased, my friend. The people are most friendly to me. Yes, sir. I wrote you they would be, sir. It will make my work and yours so much easier. <laughs> you won't have any trouble, Mr. Monroe. You can see for yourself. Nobody's neutral so far as your war is concerned. Yes, yes, I am satisfied. Lots of men will be glad to go over to France to fight for you. My committee's got thousands of names already. And shipyards will be glad to sell your ships to fight against England, sir. Monsieur Bellows, I want much more than men and ships. More? I want the United States to declare war on England. War? Well, well uh, that, that's a little more than any of your friends in this country expected, sir. It is but, logical. Well, you may find some people not willing to go that far, sir. Then we will change their minds. But we'd, we'd better think about we that. We have I... thought about it, monsieur, in Paris. And I have orders from my government to work secretly to stir up public opinion in favor of war against England. Well, yes, that had better be very secret. Perhaps not. In the cabinet is that great and good friend of France, monsieur Thomas Faraday. But don't forget the president, The president? Sir. I have plans for him. I do not think he will give us any trouble. Well, you'll be seeing him soon. I do not want to see him soon. What? I have decided to take two or three weeks uh, to see something of your beautiful country, to, to talk to the people, you see? Yeah. Uh, now, Monsieur Perros, some dinner with some uh, good wine, don't you think? We might even drink to France's new ally in our war. <laughs> I've asked you both here to find out your opinion about Minister Montreux. I've been reading reports of the speeches he's been making in every town on his way here from Charleston. 
He's not behaving like a minister. Trying to influence public opinion in a country where he's only an official guest. It is very strange, Mr. President. Strange? It's outrageous. A number of papers are supporting him, too, and pro-French groups are forming. Especially in the South, Tom, with help from your friends. Well, that's not my doing, sir. Besides, what about the pro-British sentiment stirred up by Taylor's organizations in New England? Listen to me, Faraday. You now, dare... Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a moment, both of you. Trying to beat each other isn't any help. Now, let's stick to Montreux. Mr. President, I think his behavior is a deliberate insult to you. Well, I didn't think that would bother you. I beg your pardon. Anyway, that's not important. It's true he's taking his own time and coming here to be officially received. But on the other hand... It's an outrage, sir. I urge you to refuse to see him when he does come. Let him go back to France, a failure, and face the humiliation. What do you think, Tom? I agree that Montreux is behaving badly, sir, but let's bear in mind there's great sympathy for France in this country. He may be overwhelmed by it. That pro-French sympathy you're always talking about, Faraday, it comes from the most stupid part of the population. Taylor, I... Well, let's not argue. Since the treaty is still binding, Mr. President, we cannot refuse to accept Montreux as minister. I'm sure he'll be more discreet in the future. Let's not act against him now. You agree, Ed? I don't see what difference it makes, what I think. It does make a difference, Ed. Don't you see that it... Very well, sir. Now, the important thing to remember, however, is that Montreux's got to be handled very carefully by all of us. For instance, when he presents his credentials, I must receive him as an accredited representative of a friendly power. Mr. Montreux... On behalf of the citizens of the United States, I welcome you to this country. There has always been great fellow feeling between your people and ours, and I'm sure your presence among us will only increase it. I am confident it will, Monsieur le Président. The people of France look to America as the one nation in the entire world which truly understands their yearning for freedom. We wish your country and every country the best of good fortune, sir. How did the president receive you, sir? Well, he was very polite, but, Monsieur Burroughs, I am not sure that he understands our problem. Well, when it's presented properly, he will, sir. After all, you have an eloquent champion, the Secretary of State, sir. Ah, yes, Monsieur Faraday. But why not? Our cause is the cause of freedom. And is that not also the cause of this country? Whoever helps France helps the cause of freedom. Whoever keeps France and the United States apart... He's an enemy of freedom. Ah, but, Monsieur Burroughs, we have many friends here. Gentlemen, we all realize our tremendous obligations to the nation which once assisted us so generously in our struggle for freedom. A nation to which we are still financially indebted. That nation is now fighting her own battle to win a similar freedom. Gentlemen, as Secretary of State, I am privileged to introduce to this club our great and good friend, the French minister, Monsieur Charles Montreux. Gentlemen! Gentlemen! France is fighting for our life. It is not enough for you, our American friends, to give us sympathy, 
We need you as an ally. Gentlemen, as Secretary of the Treasury, I address this meeting of our party in New York. And I want to warn you, don't be carried away by the passions of those who are trying to take us into a war against England. If our sympathies belong anywhere, they belong with England. Gentlemen of the newspapers, my colleague in the cabinet, Secretary of the Treasurer Taylor, sees fit to arouse public opinion against France. He forgets the bonds that unite us and that great country. Bonds! Bonds between us and France? I ask you, gentlemen, how can it lead us? Only to a war against England. The Secretary of State should choose his friends more carefully. Tom, Ed, I can't let this go on any longer. Mr. President. Just a moment, Ed. You remember, both of you, just before I received Montreux, I asked you to be extra cautious. You remember that, don't you, Tom? Yes, but Mr. President... Both of you have ignored that request. Tom, you've openly favored Montreux, deliberately helped him arouse pro-French feeling. Ed, you've deliberately stirred up opposition feeling. I've only been trying to strike a balance. Faraday... All right, all right. Which one of you started it isn't important now. The point is, how do we stop it? Gentlemen, I'm going to issue a proclamation of neutrality. Proclamation for your signature, sir. Thank you, Miss Sarah. There you are. Is something wrong, Mr. President? Oh, the usual, only more so. Mr. Taylor and Mr. Faraday. Everything I've done with those two may come to nothing, Miss Sarah. I've just got to hope they'll come to their senses of their own accord, or that something will happen to wake them up. Monsieur Faraday. Yes, sit down, Mr. Montreux. You've, uh, of course, you know about the neutrality proclamation. It is incredible, monsieur. I've talked to many people. I've been through many towns and cities. I know how everyone feels. They are not neutral. The president wants to avoid war, Mr. Montreux. And you, Monsieur Faraday. All over France, you are known to be a friend. I was and I am. Do you intend to enforce the neutrality laws? I am the Secretary of State. That is the law of my country, Mr. Montreux. The proclamation says it is a crime for any American citizen to aid my country. That is right. It, uh, it would not be a crime for me to help my country, would it? I'd be very careful, Mr. Montreux. Careful? Monsieur, I fight for liberty. The time to be careful is past. <laughs> Come in, gentlemen. Come in. I have invited you here, gentlemen, because I know that the newspapers you represent are already friendly to my country. I know you will be interested, therefore, in these documents. What are they, Mr. Montreux? These are copies of the official correspondence between myself and the American administration. You may publish them all. Well, uh, 
That's an unusual thing to do, Mr. Marco. These are unusual times. In these letters, you will find all the true reasons why this country owes our allegiance to my country. And you will find, too, the ridiculous reasons given by the president and his cabinet for not honoring our treaty. Uh, Mr. Mantra, only yesterday the president proclaimed neutrality. Well, you can't change that by publishing these letters. You're wrong, my friend. Once the people and Congress read the truth, they will see that the president has acted like a coward. Congress, the true rulers of your great country, will obey the popular feeling. They will force the president and his cabinet to change. Gentlemen, gentlemen of the cabinet, I think now is the time for me to tell you a decision I've come to. I may hurt some of your feelings, but what I've got to say is more important than anybody's feeling, including mine. I've taken great pains to prevent one part of our country from turning against another part. That's why I've literally begged you, Ed Taylor and Tom Faraday, to stay in the cabinet. But now we find the country split in a different way. Half the people are for France and half for England. And meanwhile, they're forgetting where our own interests lie. That's where our quarreling among ourselves has led us. Instead, let's think only of what's best for our country, now and in the future. I have decided to ask the French government to call Charles Montreux home. Mr. Montreux is very anxious to talk to you, sir. Of course, Tom. Good evening, Mr. Montreux. Monsieur le Président, you should be glad to know I have sent my resignation to Paris. Well, frankly, I'm glad. Though I'm sorry this all happened. I was, monsieur. You were, Mr. Montreux? Well, I am afraid... Well, I admit, uh, I made many mistakes. But, Monsieur le Président, I have learned a great deal while I have been here. I have learned a great deal about the kind of freedom we are fighting for. That freedom exists only here. I like this country very much, Monsieur le Président. I am not going back to France. Well, I'm glad to welcome a new citizen, Mr. Montreux. And what are your plans? <laughs> they are they are somewhat uh, romantic, monsieur. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I plan to marry. Well, <laughs> congratulations, Montreux. Congratulations. And, uh, and I shall settle down in New York State. Well, that's fine, Mr. Montreux. At the beginning, mm. I wasn't so sure we'd have a happy ending. But thank you for coming to see me. And, gentlemen, I think there's one thing we all agree upon. We all like it here. Well, have you guessed yet which president this story happened to? The time was 1793, when George Washington was Mr. President. The man I've called Taylor this evening was really Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton, 
who was always at swords points with Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson. Montreux was really Citizen Genet, who settled in New York State after losing his appointment, married a daughter of a governor of New York, and lived happily ever after. And as you know, Thomas Jefferson later became President of the United States and served two terms. Incidentally, since today is the day of Thanksgiving, it's interesting to remember that George Washington first proclaimed it a national holiday. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about the White House and Mr. President I'm sure you'll enjoy. Good night. appears as Mr. President by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Sinclair Lewis, Cass Timberlane, starring Spencer Tracy, Lana Turner, and Zachary Scott. <laughs> Mr. President is presented each week by the American Broadcasting Company. It is produced by Robert G. Jennings, directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. Tonight's story by Paul R. Milton was suggested by incidents in the administration of President George Washington. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlam. again next week when Everdon will bring you another story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.